Hey, Clancy. Yes, Josh. Right now in all of, you know, all of this, I find myself wanting to do more, to find ways to give back. Well, that can be easy by opening a web browser with Tab for a Cause. You know what? You're right. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your thing online. For me, that thing is looking for Animal Crossing design inspiration. And for me, that's watching cat videos as self-care. Well, sure. Once installed, you'll see a beautiful photo and a small ad whenever you open a new browser tab. Viewing those ads generates money, part of which goes towards a charity of your choice. Make donations to charities like Water.org, Save the Children, Human Rights Watch, and more. Join the Nonplus team by signing up at tabforacause.org slash nonplussed. Again, that's tabforacause.org slash nonplussed. Honestly, it seems like the minute Halloween is over, people started putting up Christmas decorations. There's real big uh, Skellington-esque energy happening outside as I drive around in the evenings. Yeah, Halloween is over, Thanksgiving is a sham, and it's time for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Non Plus, a gay romp through the Disney Plus vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy. And over there is my husband, Josh. And this is Non Plus, a mischief media podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Speaking of mischief media, uh, it's the network that we're on and they've got some fun shows. They do. They've got some cool stuff. Last time, I think we mentioned that, um, Roland nine, nine and three quarters has their Halloween themed oh? episode. Uh, yeah, it's chapter 10 trial and terror. This is the one where <laughs> Dolly, Carl and Amelia wake up and find themselves not in their beds, but in a mysterious dungeon. Oh, oh, some oh. real play D and D, um, goodness over on Roland nine and three quarters. Um, and then of course, Clancy, you know, supernatural is finally ending. <gasps> so of course, Takia and Leah have plenty to say about it over on supernatural. Yes, uh, they do. Extraneous big spoilers. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. So watching supernatural, but I will say that the, the first, um, the first note here on this podcast episode from just, uh, just Monday, uh, is takes big inhale, holds breath, yells cannon. It's cannon. <laughs> So take that for what you will over on uh, Extraneous Supernatural. <laughs> Our neighbors hate us no, so much. It is 930. They can deal. <laughs> and then finally up on Healthy Geek Academy, we had a new episode on November 3rd. Uh, it's a bunch of soccer moms and me. And it's an interview episode. So check that out. But what's going on in Disney Plus world clans? Uh, the Home Alone trilogy is coming back to Disney Plus for the United States on November 13th. Is it accurate to say back to Disney Plus, though? If it yes, was never because on? it was there and they <gasps> removed it. Oh, OK. Um, so, yeah, it was removed um, earlier this year because they had a, an, an HBO contract or whatever. Sure. Speaking uh, of things getting dropped, it's time for our Mandalorian minute. Yes. We've we've got new Mandalorian. How many episodes have we seen? Two? Two. Two. Yes. And what what are your thoughts so far? My thoughts I'm so far. I'm timing you. It's right now. Go. It's a really really great episode. Um it's the longest episode I think that oh, they've done. Oh, it is. Yeah. On Mandalorian, so that's really great. Um the uh the second episode, a little more tumultuous. Uh Josh, you didn't enjoy it as I, much. No, I didn't. I love that it's it's still doing um space western really well. Yes. The first episode really sort of solidified a lot of those space 100%. western tropes. Mm -hmm. Second one, same thing. We get sort of a not a monster of the week, but a friend of the week and and Mando, of course, helps her out uh, in in some way, and I don't might be the cutest character on the show. One of, but um, we're loving Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, it's given us the same thing it gave us when it kicked off last year, um, and we'll do our own little updates with every episode, things that uh, that we like and whatever. If you want us to get a little bit more spoilery, let us know. If you don't mind, that's fine. I just think with newer content, we want to be careful in case anybody's 
waiting to binge or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm the sort of person who, uh, I, I don't know. I tend to waffle on spoilers. It's almost IP specific, but in general, as a, as a consumer of stories, I don't mind knowing what plot points are because I really like seeing how we get there. hundred um, percent. Which yep. is why, especially for like horror movies, I'll read a Wikipedia page before I watch it. Just so we know what to expect. Very much so. This is, this is, this is not uncommon for Josh. Yeah. But speaking of Wikipedia, here's our regular reminder that all of our research comes from Wikipedia, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Yep, and anything else we will uh, sort, source, and put in the notes. So this week's movie, Clance Man, what yeah. do we got? So we are doing uh, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Released October 29th in 1993. Other movies at the time, Hocus Pocus came yeah. out that year, which actually, Cool Runnings and Jurassic Park also came out in that same year. Yeah. So yeah, a big, big year for movies. This was produced by Touchstone. Yes. And distributed by Buena Vista. Right. Disney kind of took their name off of it because they didn't really feel that it like targeted kids completely. Yeah. Eisner thought it was too dark and too scary for kids. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that has since changed. Uh, Disney has definitely brought it under their umbrella and has yeah. embraced it. Because when the, you boot it up now on Disney Plus, it's the brand new Walt Disney Pictures logo. Yep. And even at the beginning, before the titles, it says Walt Disney Pictures Presents. Exactly. And neither of those things existed when it was originally released. Correct. They made those changes in 2006. Yeah. Yep. That's also when they did the um the like pop cover album. And we could talk about this a little bit more later. Yeah, for sure. But I like the pop covers of the music in this film more than I like the music in this <laughs> film. Hands down. I can definitely see that. Uh, it was directed by uh, Henry Selick. Um, yep. He uh, he has done a lot of stop motion stuff. Uh, James and the Giant Peach, Coraline. Yeah. Uh, he's working for Leica right now, right? Well, yeah. So after uh, he did the stop motion animation on the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, the oh, OS Anderson movie, movie. Um, he joined Leica in mid two thousand four as a supervising director uh, for feature film development. Cool. And then there, he directed his first computer generated animation film, the award winning short film Moon Girl, mm. the that was the inspiration for Candlewick Press's children's book of the same name. That's super cool. Yeah. This isn't directed by, but the story is by Tim Burton. And I think people uh, miss that and sort of like where, where the, where the nightmare before Christmas thing juggles. Yes, a bit. The box of that says literally Tim Burton's nightmare before Christmas. Well, like, but that was a branding and marketing thing, right? Because yeah. he still produced it and it's all still his creative stuff. And yeah. that was a, that was a specific choice by Disney to help them when they were marketing to sort of push it out and be like, yeah, well, yeah it's us, but it's really this guy. But, but yeah, um, it's based on Tim Burton, like a story and poem originally by Tim Burton. And there's yes. a picture book that came out later. Um, I think, I don't know. I didn't get too deep into that because of course we're just talking about the movie itself. Exactly. Um, screenplay was by Caroline Thompson, who's American novelist, screenwriter, film director, and producer. She actually wrote the screenplays for Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Corpse Bride. Oh, cool. And okay. she's done a lot of novelizations of Tim Burton's work. Got it. Yeah. Um, the adaption was done by Michael McDowell. Adaptation, you mean? Oh, adaptation adaption <laughs> he he actually passed away december 27th 1999 mm, at the age yep. of 49 he was gay and died of an aids related illness ah, geez. Um, he was an american novelist and screenwriter but his best known work was for the screenplay for beetlejuice okay uh the music was done by um danny elfman this old bean uh he first became known uh as singer songwriter for oingo boingo who did the theme song for weird science and of course, Dead Man's Party. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, 16 total Tim Jesus Burton Christ. films, including Batman, <laughs> Edward Scissorhands, Alice in Wonderland, and Dumbo. Fun. Um, and the TV themes for both Desperate Housewives and The Simpsons. Yeah. Got a shit ton of award nominations and awards. <laughs> a lot. Uh, four Oscar noms, two Emmys, a Grammy, six Saturn Awards for Best Music, the 2002 Richard Kirk Award, the 2015 Disney Legend Award, and the Max Steiner Film Music Achievement Award 2017. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, we, we saw him in person. Yeah, we should just take a moment to say that now. Like a few years ago, we got to see um, a live screening slash concert performance of Nightmare Before Christmas at the Hollywood Bowl. Yep. It was really, really well done. I, I enjoyed that. And it was, that was Halloween fun. night. It was so much fun it at was, the Hollywood It was Bowl. a good time. What other, we saw Beauty and the Beast? No, no um, we Little also Mermaid. saw Little Mermaid done like that with yep. Darren Chris and Sarah Bareilles as oh, Prince Eric and Ariel. Yes. Um, John Stamos was Chef Louis, if you that's recall. Right. Um, and that Norm, yeah, Norm, right. Lewis. Norm Lewis. Um, yeah. And then we also saw the Hollywood Bowl's production of Into the Woods, which was not done the same way, but was sort of like a concert performance. Yeah. And had Sutton Foster as the baker's wife. She was delightful. All right. So speaking of the cast. Yep. Uh, the first one is weird. Danny Elfman. Yeah. As the singing voice of Jack. Yeah. So he's uh, the singing voice barrel clown uh, with the tearaway face. Yeah. So uh, he voices all those. Woof. 
Next, we have Chris Sarandon, who plays the speaking voice of Jack Skellington. And he was chosen because his voice matched Danny Elfman's singing voice. Oh, okay. Because it's really hard to tell. Yeah. And it's done very well. It really, it really is. But yeah, he was Jerry in Fright Night, uh, Leon in Dog Day Afternoon, and of course, Prince Humperdinck in The Princess Bride. Oh, shit. That's right. And then also Detective Mike Norris in Child's Play. And apparently Count Dracula in the 2017 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Fun. <laughs> uh, Catherine O'Hara plays Sally in Shock. Um, yes. Shock is the witch. Yep. Do you remember who Catherine O'Hara is? Yeah. She was the mom from Frank and Wayne. Yes. But do you remember who else she is? No. <laughs> We've talked about her already. She She's a Christopher Guest notable. She's in Best in Show. Oh, and that's right. Yeah, yeah, Home yeah. Alone. And she was a regular ensemble. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Guest films. <laughs> recent Emmy winner for Schitt's Creek. Good old Catherine O'Hara. Next up, we've got William Hickey as Dr. Finkelstein. Yes. Stein. They actually say Stein. in the Do movie. they say Stein? They okay. do. And what's funny is even though they say his name a few times in the film, he's credited as evil scientist. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But um, William Hickey has also passed. Uh, he was uh, 69 years old when he died in June of 1997. Uh, he had a 40 plus year acting career. He was the grandpa in Pete and Pete. Okay. Um, he was in My Blue Heaven, the Tales from the Dark Side movie. But he's probably most memorable as Uncle Lewis in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh my vacation. god, Uncle Lewis. Yes. Next up, we've got Glenn Shaddix as the mayor. Uh, he passed away at the age of 58, September Aww. 7th, 2010. Um, his breakout role, and probably the thing he's most notable for, is Otho in Beetlejuice. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah. the big guy in like the white kimono. Yes. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was in the 2001 remake of Planet of the Apes. Uh, and throughout the 90s, he had small roles on iconic television shows, including Cheers, Roseanne, Seinfeld, and the Golden Girls. And I love the Golden Girls. He also was openly gay and a survivor of intense ex-gay therapy. This movie <sighs> is queer as fuck, and we didn't it even is. know it. It is. It's really great. Speaking of. Paul Rubens <laughs> plays Locke. Um, he's best known as, um, Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Playhouse, uh, Big Adventure, um, which Tim D- Burton, Tim Burton directed that. Yeah, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Tim yeah, Burton he was also it. Mr. Cobblepot in the Bad Batman Returns, also directed by Burton. Uh, he was also in Mystery Men, Blow, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I am still working my way through. Well, no, that's... That's Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, not the TV show. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, of course, has a mildly problematic history wherein he made headlines for all the wrong reasons. Public exposure, exposure in an adult theater. Public exposure at a theater would be I'm, also. It probably he was probably on his way to public exposure <laughs> in the adult theater when he was caught. Um, and then oh. a pornography arrest uh, for which charges were eventually dropped. But um uh, it's what I didn't get too deep into it. Right. But like yeah. for all intents and purposes, it appears that like legally he's in the clear. He's making new content again. I, uh, I wish him well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Ken page plays Oogie Boogie. I adore Ken page. Do you? He's got a 50 year stage and screen career. He made his Broadway debut in the whiz. He did ain't misbehaving and he plays the Judy Dench role of old Deuteronomy. Oh, in the original sort of stage version that was recorded of cats the great performances version of cats yes. But anyway, he was also Murray in Torch Song Trilogy. He did the voice of King Gator in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. And he was the walrus on the Disney Channel TV show Adventures in Wonderland. Oh, okay. Cool. And then the last sort of, uh, I would say big name, but the last sort of heavily credited name is Edward Ivory, who voiced Santa. I couldn't find, he has maybe 10 credits on his IMDb. Okay. And the cast is rounded out uh, by Carrie Katz, Carmen Twilley, Randy Crenshaw, Debbie Durst, Glenn Waters, Sherwood Ball, John Morris, and Greg Proops. Who sang for Beryl when we saw it at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the original voice of Beryl uh, because uh, Danny Elfman was. Right. That um, makes sense that they would Greg need somebody Proops else to do that. Slid in. Uh, yeah. So we saw him, Catherine O'Hara, and Paul Rubin sing. Maybe we'll, I, I think I've got a video of it. I'll put it up on the Insta. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, they all voice various characters. And then also Patrick Stewart recorded narration for the prologue and the epilogue. The epilogue no longer exists outside of the soundtrack anymore. Um, and was uh, obviously used. It was a different voice that was used in the actual film. Yeah. Both of those VOs still exist on the original soundtrack. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. That's cool. All 
All right. Well, do we want to get into this movie? Oh, if we must. All right. Halloween Town is a fantasy world filled with various monsters and supernatural beings associated with the holiday. Jack Skellington, the quote, pumpkin king and leader of the town, leads them in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. However, privately, Jack has grown weary of the same routine year after year and wants something new. Okay. I don't like this narrator that they replaced Patrick Stewart with. Yeah, no, it's He's not got good. awful. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second note that I had was the 2D animation is cool on top of the stop motion stuff with the ghost. Yeah. Ghosts. Ghostesses. Ghostesses. I don't know. I like those were my first two notes, sort of like out the gate. I've, I've said this before on the Frank and Winnie. <laughs> I don't really, pre- I don't really appreciate the Tim Burton style. However, this movie is very well made and I, yeah. and I definitely appreciate the artistry that went into it and how painstaking it is to make these types of movies. I'll I'm, this is the last time I'm going to bring that up. No, that's fine. That's all that I, it's a genre about. film. Not everybody likes a genre film. As we were watching, I was like, man, this isn't really like one of my favorites. I can't remember prior to this. Yeah. The last time that I watched it, we have the doll. We've got coffee mugs. I think we've got some art prints. Like we I have, love, the, we have the wreath that we have the angry Christmas wreath for right. our front door. Yes. Here's the thing. I like the, some of the aspects of this movie. I don't particularly we like, like the art the direction. Movie. Yeah. We um, like the, okay. Yes. Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for trying to generalize your extremely nuanced hate for Tim Burton. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, I love that. It looks like an Edward Gorey. Sure. Like yes. print like this whole film mm-hmm. until color is introduced into the, the scheme. Yeah. Really does look like an Edward Gorey print come to life for sure. But, uh, but anyways, beyond that, beyond that start of this film, six minutes in and aside from the song, there's no dialogue or context yep. whatsoever. Um, we just know that they're celebrating Halloween. The big question that I have creepily. here, creepily. <laughs> yes. Um, the big question that I have here, Jack is the pumpkin King. Mm-hmm. Halloween town has a mayor. Yeah. What does this civic structure look like? And who, who is actually in control here? Yeah. Cause I feel like the moment that he was not around, everybody freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, other notes that I have on here, bone daddy. Nice work. Bone daddy. Yeah, I guess so. Just like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that. I loved that. Well, you just like to be called Bone Daddy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know my favorite part about Haunted the Haunted Mansion takeover uh, at Nightmare Before Christmas, all that stuff. Yeah, my favorite part is that jazz band in the window. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's super as you're fun. walking by. It's yeah. super cute. Um. But yeah, I, I I mean, the three witches in the swamp muster are just too horny for yeah. Jack Skellington <laughs> for anybody's good. Um, and then we like Halloween's great. And suddenly Jack is super despondent about it. And he goes mm-hmm. off on this big lamenting song about how impressive he is and how amazing he is and how everybody loves him. But that's just boring. Like not enough. Like I don't I don't. Here's the thing. I have no sympathy for Jack. Like nothing is nothing is making me relate to him in any I sort of way. I have sympathy for Sally. If I'm being honest, the only person I have sympathy for in this film is Santa Claus. Truly, the mm, only person. Yeah. I, I, well, and maybe the children in the weir- real world, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, I I just my my biggest thing. Yeah, is she's just I'm so great and everybody knows me, but no one really understands me. I'm getting big, hot topic mall goth vibes <laughs> from Jack Skellington, which, which which when you think about it. It all says makes, a lot. It all makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Clancy, this film is ostensibly about an upper middle class white guy who can't find enough joy in his own life that he has to steal someone else's culture to get a thrill. And even when he bombs that miraculously, he doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. He says, so what if I failed? I'm still awesome. Yeah, it's a white guy failing upward while trying to steal someone else's identity. And in the year of our Lord 2020, I just don't know that it resonated all that well with me. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll get to Especially that. Especially because he's skinny, and all the people he attacks in this Holy movie are fat. Shit. Yeah, um, I I will say that we will get to this a little bit later, <laughs> um, but I have the same feelings. I mean, um, the only two thing, other two things I had about this, um, there's a series on Disney Plus called Prop Culture, and they do a whole episode. It's about a prop collector who, like, yeah, each episode focuses on a specific movie. And he either goes and finds a piece or he restores the piece or sure. he talks to people, whatever. There's a whole episode about nightmare before Christmas and they show, they go and see the actual set piece of the curling Hill. Oh, cool. And it's a full armature inside that Hill that, that they trigger and would slowly unroll. That's super. And cool. it's gorgeous prop culture on Disney plus. I highly recommend. All right. Well, do you want to move on? Wandering the woods the next morning, he stumbles across seven trees containing doors leading to towns representing various holidays and enters the one leading into Christmas Town. Awed by the unfamiliar holiday, Jack returns to Halloween Town to show the residents his findings, but they fail to grasp the idea of Christmas and compare everything to their ideas of Halloween, although they do relate to one Christmas Town character, its ruler, Santa Claus. Okay. So we get our answer about the social, the political structure of this town in this scene because the mayor very clearly says when he can't find Jack that he's only elected official and he can't make decisions by himself Jack I've got the plans for next Halloween I need to go over them with you so we can get started Jack please I'm only an elected official here I can't make decisions by myself Jack! Answer me! He's not home. Where is he? He hasn't been home all night. He straight up goes in to a different town. Mm -hmm. Destroys things. Like, he didn't destroy anything on his... Uh, no, no, he actually doesn't destroy... No, I mean, he destroys the, the snowman. snowman. Yeah. Eh, it's not like somebody he's wreaking their, havoc. Some of the, somebody put their time and effort into that, and then he got rid of it. I think you're assuming things. This is another magical town that's just like Halloween Town. Chances are that snowman wasn't very difficult to make. Fair enough. I mean, could I'm not the, saying could Jack the, is forgivable. Could I'm the saying snowman have been sentient though, and like he killed that snowman. We would have heard it scream. This that's is Tim Burton. True. You're right. You're mm -hmm. right. Um. Anyways, he does steal things. Oh yeah. Like he literally he makes off of the vehicle. Yeah. Some somebody's goggles. Yeah, he literally and like a little bit later makes off with an entire library like yeah. hmm. well but he doesn't steal that from Christmas Town, does he I thought that's what he took from Dr. Finkelstein or where, is that in his own study that's in his own study but like where did he get those books he wouldn't have had books about Noel and stuff whatever. well they were probably part of whatever was in that giant sack of shit that he stole that he rolls up in sure N never mind that that jazz band stood outside Jack's house playing music yeah. And let that mayor have a goddamn panic attack up on those stairs and then say, I'm here <laughs> pretty much. And I feel like they should have. Yeah, they could have said like he went that way and well, they, something. Yeah. Mm. And and then further, like, has Jack really never explored his own world this much? Like we just I see him, it, it goes night to day and he's wandering through the woods. But yeah. like that these large brightly colored painted doors in this ominous stonehenge-esque circle of trees yeah has somehow completely escaped your notice for how long this is where so like this runs an hour 18 it's super short we know it that is. it's based on yep, a yep, poem yep, yep. slash short short story it, this film we'll talk about it a little bit more but it began its life as like a christmas special a la rudolph the red-nosed reindeer frosted snowman yeah i feel like some of these scenes where there's just a lot of visuals and not a lot of anything going on yeah are how they padded out the runtime to make this feature length probably and i can i can definitely that see that um i also want to say that halloween town is not ada uh, compliant how does uh, Dr. Finkelstein get downstairs in his own house? It doesn't make any fucking sense. Dr. Finkelstein uses a wheelchair, yes. an automated one that he gets knocked out of a few times. And that in and of itself is triggering, mm -hmm. but that he lives in this tower with Sally, who is, he has ostensibly created to be his servant. Yeah. Um, who keeps poisoning him. Like Sally is a metaphor for women trying to fight against toxic masculinity that they can never escape. Yeah. But even when she does escape it, she's escaped it through another man. So it really is perpetuating the patriarchy in this goddamn <laughs> fictional holiday town. It is. It is so, so crazy. 
Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm just shouting about cartoons for sure. But the, but the other side of it is like, and the, the reason why I wrote this note is because the mayor had like fallen down his stairs. Oh yes. That were just awful. Those are Jack like, stairs. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, All different heights. Nothing about, yep. Yeah, I mean, again, like it's a magical world. It's holiday themed. All of these people are kooky and have different, uh, different, they are differently abled and have different abilities. Literally some of them are dead. So I guess probably it none really of it ma- matters. Yeah. yeah. But just from an accessibility standpoint, <laughs> right? If he has a wheelchair in the first place and nowhere to go with it, you don't like see it, an elevator anywhere in this no. film. And How they is he even, getting around? They don't even like use like a hook or something to like no. bring him up. It's just he doesn't even pull Charles upstairs. Xavier and hover away into a magical plane that he can uh, then shift also, into. Xavier's wheelchair in the animated series should be in that, the fucking movies. I hate that I don't. That it's not. Anyways, I'm just, <laughs> I I just I liked that better. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, he falls into the Christmas tree door. Yeah. Falls into the Christmas tree door. We get the song. Very Alice in Wonderland. What's this? Yes. Um, which he ends up saying, and I wrote a note about this 18 times, 18 fucking times. Yeah. He says, we kind of glossed over the first two songs. They were, this is Halloween. Yeah. And then, uh, whatever his second song, the woe is me. I'm really great. I am bored. <laughs> yeah yeah and now we're on what's this yeah and there's a fallout boy cover of this song is there and it's delightful He gets into Christmas town. Yeah. It, it's all Christmassy. There's elves. Yeah. You see Santa. He's bemused, bothered and bewildered. Um, everything, it, all of the stuff. I, again, I feel like I was watching stop motion made with toys. Everything's really well crafted and gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. The stuff that's like made of wood looks like wood toys. Like there's the clockwork polar bear. Yeah. And the merry go round. Like it just looks, it almost looks like toy story come to life. And in fact, like this is what toy story would look like if it were real. Yeah. <gasps> A stop motion toy story. That would be cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd like it better than this. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, But my favorite part, I think sort of artistically, creatively, craftily, whatever of this sequence is the puffs of train smoke. Yeah. Because they're very clearly cotton, but they float right out of that train and like, they do a really good job. I was, I had another note a little bit earlier and it, um, it was just about the fire that was in the background. Mm. It looked really, really, really good. And they, they blended all that stuff together really well. And again, like this is masterfully made. It's just, uh, it's teetering on that edge of like too much or, you know, not enough, not enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get, you know, Sally trying to escape her own captivity by poisoning her captor again. Yeah. Like four times. And again, the, the scene is very pretty. The frog's breathing is pretty. All of these interactions between 2d animation and stop motion is just gorgeous. Yeah. All of the detail is really gorgeous. I just don't fucking understand the point. Sally hasn't even spoken to Jack yet. No. Um, and, and we don't get her. I want song for him until three quarters of the way through the movie. I just don't understand the point. I, I, me either, because the moment that she leaves, he just makes another one. Like it doesn't make any, and both of these women, these created women, these very sort of like Eve to Dr. Finkelstein, sure. Adam women are still just defined by the men that they that either created them or that they long for. Yeah, uh, he straight up robs Christmas Town of a vehicle goggles and a sack full of crap, yes. and then starts goth splaining Christmas. That's what he does. Splaining. You heard me. <laughs> I love it. And he starts talking about because it's the town hall and it's another song, and he's explaining about Christmas, but I don't know the title of the song because it's basically a poem set to words. Pretty much. For the ruler of this Christmas land. Is a fearsome king with a deep, mighty voice. At least that's what I've come to understand. And I've also heard it told that he's something to behold, like a lobster, huge and red. When he sets out to slay with his reindeer on, carting bulging sacks with his big, great arms. That is so I've heard it said. And on a dark, cold night, on a full moonlight, he flies into a fog like a vulture in the sky. 
He's trying to explain all of what Christmas is, even though he doesn't understand it and begins to explain it through a Halloween lens. And fuck me if this isn't just a giant metaphor for cultural appropriation. It pretty much. We don't is. quite get it, but this is how we're going to do it. We'll be a sexy Native American woman for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Fuck, are we ruining Nightmare Before Christmas for people now? <laughs> probably a little bit. Um, I will say that the vamps with the umbrellas were super cute. They're probably my favorite Halloween Town characters because yeah. they are th- some of the least threatening. They're yes. f- just foppish as fuck with those adorable little umbrellas, and I just fucking love it. Yeah, and once the mayor goes all berserk that he's gone, that he starts doing the cat siren. Then our cat has made that noise. Yeah, probably when you've twisted her tail like that. Probably we've never twisted our cat's tail. Yeah, please don't take us seriously ever. Yeah. Really. Um, I also have the word <laughs> bulging sacks written down. <laughs> you would out of context. It's just the bulging sacks that really stuck in your mind. You don't remember who said it, when or why do you? Well, I think it had to do something with like him explaining uh, Santa's Santa's like, bulging sacks, bulging sack, <laughs> bulging sack. Jesus. Oh, all right. I, I put it all in caps too. That was pretty great. Of course you did. Shall we? Jack assigns the citizens of Halloween Town Christmas-themed jobs, including signing cards, making presents, and building a sleigh to be pulled by skeletal reindeer. He also tasks Lock, Shock, and Barrel, a trio of mischievous trick-or-treating children, to abduct Santa and bring him back to Halloween Town. Sally, a beautiful ragdoll that is secretly in love with Jack and only just now mentioned in the synopsis because she hasn't really done much yet, experiences a vision that their efforts will end in disaster. But Jack dismisses this and assigns her the task of sewing him a red coat to wear. Here's sort of the the ultimate cultural appropriation. Uh, When Jack is doing his research, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. It doesn't resonate with me, but I'm going to dress what I want, what I want to do up as that and claim it as mine. And Sally's the only one who's saying, Maybe this is a bad idea. Yeah. And she's not even really giving a whole lot of voice to why it's a bad idea per se outside of it's, you know, you're going against your nature and this isn't what you were made to do. But even that. Yeah. It, it's just so it's so I, I just, I don't at all identify with Jack's character. No. At well, all. And then we get that turn and now we have kidnapped the Sandy Claus with these creepy fucking kids. Yes. And it is a terrifying fucking song. Like, I don't un- like some Come like in. now in the box. We'll wait and hide until his curiosity entices him to look inside and then we'll have him one, two, three. It's visceral. It's visceral. Like some of the things like they were saying and it was just And even this song is only sing alongable on the chorus. Yes. Yes. Which yes, changes yes, every time. Yes. Yes. And it does. And it's awful. And, and uh, uh, this is also the first time that we hear about boogie woogie. Oogie boogie. Oogie boogie. <laughs> boogie woogie. He's not a bugle boy. He's a sack of bugs. Yes. He's yes. a sack of bugs. But yeah, this is the first time we we hear of halfway him. through the movie. Yeah, it, it's it, the pacing in this is a little bit odd. And I mean, yeah. and there's a lyric in the song where they talk about how Mr. Boogie is sure to get his kicks out of Santa Claus. That line sounds way too sexual for what this movie is trying to achieve. I mean, it is a PG rating, which is new, I think, for Disney animation at this point outside yeah. of the Black Cauldron. Yeah, um, but still, it just yeah it scratches me in a in a place that's not itching and i don't quite i I think it is i think it is quoted as one of the the first stop motion animated movies to be pg yeah yes um but then we get back to they're trying to do christmas and jack makes a single string of bells play jingle bells and i don't believe it for one second there's no way all of those bells have tones that different Uh, yeah and and like i i just thought it was funny when the band started to play it and they just play it like really sad and it's it's awful and he's like great job next like it's just too much and then the kids come back with the easter bunny yeah which is the cutest thing in this it was the cutest thing in this movie and just i feel bad for that bunny just oh yeah i'm traumatized yeah truly um we get back to dr finkelstein 
where ego comes out of nowhere. Igor. Igor. Yeah. I have the same note. Where did this Igor show up from? <laughs> I haven't seen him at all. He comes up here. Are they plans? And then puts them down. And it sounds just like that one stupid lanky kid from Frankenweenie. Igor. Oh, is it? Uh, he was Ed Gore. Igor. Was that the same voice? No, because that was a different kid. It wasn't. But that kid wasn't born when this film was made. Fair enough. Uh, days are also passing while this is happening. Yeah, because they put that clock up X days till Christmas, right? Yeah. Because that's the idea is that it's going holiday to holiday. And then we get making Christmas. And that's the only part of the song that you can really sing songy sing to because it once is. again, it's all spoken shit. The sea creature is taking a bath in that cauldron. And that, oh, right. <laughs> that's a whole with the witches. They changed this duck toy to make it look like it has fangs and has been shot. Yeah. Those are bullet holes. Oh yeah. That they paint with blood. So I have a confession to make. This is the moment that I wrote a note. Was Jack just bored of Halloween? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I know. And like, it makes sense now going back that like, yes, which is even makes- stupider because now he's just doing Halloween ass Christmas, right? It's just like, but part of me is just like, is that, is that all this movie is about is that he was just bored of like, Halloween. Did, did you not hear my rant? I understand. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But I wrote this note this far into the movie. And I just thought that was important. At least you got there, honey. At least I'm I got proud there. of you. Thank you. Moving on, Lock, Shock, and Barrel succeed in kidnapping Sandy Claus and bringing him to Jack, who tells Santa he will be bringing Christmas to the world in his place this year. Jack orders the trio to keep Santa safe, but the children instead deliver Santa to Oogie Boogie, a gambling boogeyman who plots to play a game with Santa's life at stake. We just talked about kidnap Sandy Claus, so we kind of covered most of this, but a little bit, yeah. You know, we get we get to Sally, who's like at, at panic mode now, trying to stop Jack because he wants he wants her to make the coat. We talked about that, and she's just like, I don't, I don't know. Sally, I need your help more than anyone's. You certainly do, Jack. I had the most terrible vision. That's splendid. No, it was about your Christmas. There was smoke and fire. That's not my Christmas. My Christmas is filled with laughter and joy and this. My Sandy Claus outfit. I want you to make it. Jack, please listen to me. It's going to be a disaster. How could it be? Just follow. I don't think that we talked about it, but she was sitting outside of his place. She picks up like this, this reed or like flower or whatever. And it's like picking petals off. And then oh, suddenly, yeah, she's doing like the uh, he loves me. He loves me. Not yeah, thing. suddenly it turns into a Christmas tree. Then suddenly it's on fire. And that's enough of an omen for her to know that whatever he's doing. I mean, doing, it's a fucking omen, but like, I, it, what impact does it have? What's the fucking point? Outside of Jack needing to have a love interest for one reason or another, I don't understand. I hate saying this about one of the only women in the film and one of the only ones who speaks. Yeah. I it just, I don't, she feels shoehorned in and it's disservice to the character. A little bit. Yeah. And, and we also get the scene where, um, Dr. Finkelstein uh, is split his brain and put it into this new woman that he's making this new woman. Yeah. You had yeah. a visceral reaction. To yeah. That. I was like, nope. I, do, I don't like it when like he opens it up and like scratches his brain. That to me is just, it's just too gross for me. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But like Sally. Okay. Sally's got all these deadly poisons that she keeps feeding to Finkelstein. Yeah. And Yet the thing that's going to stop Jack, according to her, at least in her brain, is this fog. And it's the only thing she has to hide for some fucking reason. Yeah, it's underneath her floorboards for no reason. Like, it doesn't make any The poisons are out in their vanity pots, but the fog juice has to be hidden. Pretty much. For some goddamn reason. Um, But we get to Oogie taunting Santa. Yes. And he gets all dark, somehow darker, and and spooky, ooky, kooky. What have we here? Santa Claus, huh? Ooh, I'm really scared. So you're the one everybody's talking about. <laughs> you're joking. You're joking. I can't believe my eyes. You're joking me. You gotta be. This can't 
much is worse. I might just split a seam now if I don't die laughing first. Yeah, this is really the, the the scariest part of the movie that I remember watching this as a child. Yeah. Was these oogie boogie scenes. Like this was not I wasn't into well, it. At it all. comes out of nowhere because who the fuck yeah. is Oogie and where the fuck has he been? He's not actually an antagonist in this film. He's so not. much as he is a threshold guardian, but I'll get, I've got a whole rant about that <laughs> threshold guardian yes, for later. For sure. Um, the song itself is only partly melodic. He's only singing for part of it. The rest of it. He's it's not even rap. He's singing a poem with words like much and, and stuff that don't rhyme. Yeah. It's just, it, it is it is a bunch of nonsense and actually now watching it through again it just it's like what is he doing down here a gambling ring for himself yeah like yeah you know, i don't I don't. Well, and it's like he's he's this big powerful guy that these kids are afraid of and everybody's wary of and he's feeding him bugs like that is literally what he's they were trapped feeding. in this room like he doesn't ever leave that room yeah how is oogie a threat if he's just down there being fed bugs by these trick-or-treating children yeah. Aside from being the shadow on the moon at night, wait, what's th- it doesn't this doesn't make any sense. Sally's subterfuge begins. She's she's basically a teenager at an apartment complex, except instead of dish soap <sighs> in the fountain, it's fog juice in the fountain. Yeah. And it and it goes everywhere and Jack can't see anything. But Zero shows up who's had a light on his nose the entire time and it strikes Jack as if it's just for the first time ever that he's for seen this light. First time. But how is that light gonna help him see anything? Well, it is red, and red generally It's not, ha- it's orange. Oh. Yeah, then no, I don't know. Doesn't make any damn sense. Jack departs to deliver presents to the real world, despite Sally's attempts to stop him. She laments her grief as Christmas night begins. The Halloween-styled gifts terrify and attack the populace in the real world as Sally attempts to rescue Santa so he can stop Jack. But Oogie captures her as well. While the media sends word via radio about the Santa imposter, the military takes action and shoots Jack down, causing him to crash in a cemetery, which is awfully convenient. Yeah. While the devastated residents of Halloween Town think he's been killed, Jack has survived, and while he bemoans the disaster he has made of Christmas, he finds he enjoyed the experience nonetheless, reigniting his love for Halloween. But first, he realizes he must take action to fix his mess. First off, I don't like Sally's song. I love Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. It's a pretty song, but it drags this movie way down. I sense there's something in the wind that feels like tragedies at hand. And though I'd like to stand by him, can't shake this feeling that I literally trying to put anything they could into this movie to make it longer and i feel like that this is one of those points and i it's it is a pretty song but in the context of the film it's too little too late this is sally's i want song and yeah. we're almost done with the movie yeah. like she hasn't been able to express anything clearly from her own voice throughout she's just been trying to subvert no, the, the men in her life pretty much and the only thing was is that she like she gave a basket to Jack at one point that had like a love potion. But they don't talk room. about it. But and then she runs away. Like yeah. what what is They've barely mm. spoken about anything other than the holiday and the context of their love story is all ass backwards. Yeah, it's it is it is so bizarre. And to your earlier point, the magical reality here implies that holidays um and the holiday worlds are sort of discrete pockets somewhere. Sure. With distinct paths to each other pocket. Right. But Jack can just fly to the real world. And yeah. when he needs to return, there's just a handy dandy crypt that happens to get him to Halloween town. It's the world building that's yeah. not there. That's what it is. Yeah. It, this it's, it's vague enough to, to somebody that is just watching this movie and not really, and has their brain off. It, you can kind of follow what's going or for on, kids. but the moment that, but the moment that you break any of this down, the moment that you take a macro lens, it immediately breaks apart and it just doesn't make any sense. Like are right. these portals in every place to go? Like that's the question. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. So they're in the real world. We get some multicultural kids. Yes. We get kids that aren't just white. We get uh, some kids that appear to be some Eastern nationality. Yep. 
I don't even want to guess because they are claymation kids and they look vaguely uh, racially insensitive. The biggest crime here, in my opinion, you've got these black kids mm-hmm. and one of them gets the duck that's been shot. That feels... <laughs> Oh, fuck. at the very least, it feels tone deaf. It does a little bit. I do really want, quickly want to talk about the first kid that we see that Jack gives a present to. It's like a black and white uh, present yes. that he gives, opens it up for his parents and just doesn't scream, just holds up a separate the kid's head. Fine. Kid has seen some shit. That apparently. kid has seen some shit. The parents, however, have never seen a shrunken head. So yeah, as I was saying about the music, um, uh, this what have I done that should be in an 11 o'clock number is yeah. yet another lament that is actually addressing that isn't actually addressing how or why he failed just that he failed and that that makes him feel alive in death and somehow reinvigorates his love for Halloween. It's it's all I'm still misunderstood, but I didn't mean to cause problems. Ooh, ooh. but I Nobody really understood. Well, how could they? That all I ever wanted was to bring them something great. Why does nothing ever turn out like it should? Well, what the heck? I went and did my best, and my God, I really tasted something swell. And for a moment, why I even touched the sky and at least I left some stories they can tell. I and I just—it's all why me, why me? But hey, I did my best. At least I left some stories they could tell. Okay, cool. But what about the trauma and PTSD that you're giving to these children and their parents? Oh, yeah. that's okay because you're the pumpkin king and you like to scare people. Haven't learned a damn thing. Almost, like and he's still sad about you, it. You know what? The funny thing is, is it's almost like they're trying not to make the the the, the viewer relate with uh with jack like it's almost it's almost like they've gone as far as you can to like not embody what a normal person would have had i still think you're giving them too much credit i think it's all just necessity i think they were more focused on the production (sighs) and the heavy lifting there yeah that it was just like oh the script looks like the poem great yeah you know what i mean i guess yeah Jack returns to Halloween town and finds Oogie's lair. Oogie tries to kill Jack, but Jack defeats him by ripping apart a thread, holding his cloth form together, causing all of the bugs that live inside Oogie to fall into his cauldron. Jack apologizes to Santa for his actions, uh, but while still angry at Jack for ruining Christmas and not listening to Sally's warnings, Santa assures him that he can fix things and takes his leave. So yeah, this is the wrap up. Jack only has to fight Oogie because he's got Santa and Sally. Yeah, well, yes, and Sally, but like, uh, he's not really a villain or an antagonist in the true sense. Yeah. He's not keeping the protagonist from his job. The only thing Jack is a victim of is himself and his own hubris. Yeah. This is where I was saying, like, Oogie Boogie is a threshold guardian. Jack needs to finish his story. Mm-hmm. He needs to get Santa so that Santa can fix Jack's mistake. But outside of that, Oogie is trapped. Oogie is controlled. Oogie only has power within his own domain and he's easily thwarted by Jack. There's no buildup to this moment whatsoever that is in any way meaningful. There isn't. And I mean, it's, it's yes, it's the, it's the culmination of, of like us seeing Oogie Boogie's layer and then seeing all of the pieces like work in unison to, to, to do whatever. It's a gorgeous scene. It is. It is. But the other side of it here is, is like, what is Oogie Boogie doing here that like, uh, other, like I, I get maybe is he, he's torturing people that are down there, but like, then he's using it to fight against him. And I guess like, I don't know. It, it just, it's the whole, the whole thing just doesn't make sense when no. you take, when you look at it from a bigger picture. Yes, it is pretty. And yes, it is. It's it's visceral and fun, but like, eh, I don't know. I just it just didn't like it. And it's good that Santa gives Jack what for truly because uh, it's the talking to that he needed. And yeah. Santa's even like, you should listen to her more next time. Has Sally been telling Santa this whole time about everything she did to try to stop this madness? Maybe it's just and, like, hey, while we're on the slab, like getting and, falling to our death, let's just talk about Jack for a minute. And it's just I. 
and then he uses his magic. There it is. He touches his finger to the side of his nose and zoops up the chute. Just like, does he just have to have something to fly up for that tour? I just don't understand. I mean, his hands were tied, and I guess if he has to I like mean, maybe, boop his snoot, then I guess in like, well, it's as in the old poem, he lays his finger aside of his nose. Oh yeah, and with a wink and a, it's Nightmare Before. It's it's the the reference that the title of this film comes from, The Night yeah. Before Christmas. Uh, yeah, for, I mean, this yeah. is ostensibly the climax of the film. It's gone in a flash, and it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. As Santa replaces the Halloween style presents with genuine ones, the townspeople of Halloween town celebrate Jack's survival and return. Santa then visits Halloween town and brings them a snowfall for the residents to play with, which in a way fulfills Jack's original dream. As he flies <laughs> away, sh- Santa shouts out happy Halloween and Jack replies by shouting Merry Christmas as snowfalls in the graveyard. Jack and Sally declare their love for each other. Yeah. So, okay. so basically no one is worse for wear. Um, Jack ends up getting what he wants. Uh, Santa is very much like, I am. Of course I can do this. I'm Santa Claus, which is fair. Yes. Sure. It's the most believable thing of this whole fucking movie for sure. Um, and, and then Christmas comes to Halloween town, which I mean, okay, cool. Well, snow comes to Halloween town. Yeah. Snow comes out and like, you know, they're ice skating and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, ultimately Jack hasn't learned anything. Suddenly him and Sally are in love. Yeah. He, he doesn't learn anything. He gets everything that he wants. This movie literally doesn't give us any sort of moral high ground whatsoever. No, no. And that's, uh, the nightmare before Christmas. I mean, look, this movie started its life as a TV special, as I mentioned, and it's clear that it probably should have stayed that way. Even at an hour 18, it feels way too long. It doesn't make any sense. I will say that the music changing to the major key at the end was a little. That was nice. It was nice, but you know, um, just real quick. Other details after completing a short film, Vincent in 1982, uh, Tim Burton went on. Uh, he was, a, he was then employed at Walt Disney feature animation, but he wrote a, the three page poem the nightmare before Christmas drawing mm-hmm. inspiration from those television series I, I mentioned. Um, and after the success of, of Vincent, uh, Disney started to consider nightmare before Christmas as either a short film or a 30 minute holiday, uh, TV special. Got it. But like, as I said, um, you know, they thought it was too weird. Uh, Disney wasn't able to offer, uh, Tim Burton's the quote is, they were unable to offer his nocturnal loners enough scope. <laughs> and that's when Tim Burton was fired from Disney in 1984. And then he went on to do Batman and Beetlejuice before this. And because they wanted to attract a wider audience, this is where they put Tim Burton's name above the title Got so it. that people who like Tim Burton could flock to Tim Burton and would not necessarily think of it as a Disney movie. But then they ended up flipping that. That's when it went over to Touchstone and Buena Vista. They were like, no, 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 it's just too dark. Tim Burton can have his thing. It's just not going to be associated Ex- with Exactly. But now that it's made so much money, Disney definitely wanted it back yes. under their name. In 2006, they released um, a stereoscopic 3D version of the movie um, that was then put back to 3D uh, 3D theaters in yes. October 20th of 2006. And that was the version where they they swapped the Disney logo for the Touchstone Pictures yeah. Presents logo and then added credits to the end for all the 3D stuff. And then just real quick track listing the opening, which is the narration it's on the soundtrack is Patrick Stewart. It's not yeah. in the film. Mm-hmm. We've got, this is Halloween Jack's lament, Dr. Finkelstein slash in the forest, which is all score. Yeah. What's this? Of course, the town meeting song is just called town meeting, the town meeting song. <laughs> and then Jack's obsession, mm-hmm. kidnap the Sandy Claus, making Christmas, Oogie Boogie song, Sally's song. Like they didn't even put enough thought into what they're calling the songs. Yeah. Yeah. And then poor Jack, which is, you know, Jack's refrain at the end and then the finale and reprise. And the funny thing was, it's like, what's his name? Denny Elfman. It's like, this was one of the easiest things I ever had to write because I identified with Jack Skellington so much. A white guy at the top of his game who is bored with it and wants to take something from somebody else. Pretty much. That was easy to write for him. Apparently. (laughs) So yeah. Bless her. Heart. Pretty much. Uh, in terms of the budget and reception for this, uh, the budget was $18 million. Uh, it made $91.4 million. And that, well, when I pulled that number, I wasn't sure if that was just original box office or like overall to date. But regardless, this has been a cash cow for Disney. Exactly. Yeah. They've made a lot of money from this. And that's why you've got the Haunted Mansion overlays that happen every year. Mm-hmm. They really do lean into this heavily. Um, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score is weird. It's 95% from critics. Um <laughs> 
Just because you don't agree doesn't make it weird. Yeah, well, I mean... Kenneth Turan of the LA Times said it's part avant-garde art film, part amusing but morbid fairy tale. It is a delightfully ghoulish holiday musical that displays more inventiveness in its brief 75 minutes than some studios can manage in an entire year. I will give it that for production execution, but I do not agree about the music. Exactly. Or the story for that matter. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Lane from the New Yorker um, said that this is a full feet, uh, sorry, a full length animated movie that was shot in stop motion with all the febrile, febrile, twittery fascination that the median exerts. Uh, it has a, a magic toy shop feeling with unexpected objects stuttering into life. Uh, yeah. Again, this is down to execution on the. It's a lot of big words. The New Yorker to go. I thought it was neat. Yeah, like I get it, and I agree. I think this movie, this movie is very good looking and very and very well executed in its production style. Yeah, and then Owen Gleberman from Entertainment Weekly. I'm not sure I've ever seen a fantasy film that's at once so visually amazing and so emotionally dead. Thank you, now, Owen. This is more in line with how we feel. Thank you, Owen. Yes, because it is very much emotionally dead. And yeah. I mean, if that's what they were going for, great. Uh, viewer score, ninety one percent. Again, what? the fuck uh we, we have some recent ones here from november 2nd it's a four and a half star from tyler w yeah that one says it's a uh, classic tim burton film with all the charm wit and fun the nightmare before christmas is fueled with wonder and beauty uh, assuring itself a place in the hearts of many around the world bullshit nancy two stars on october 23rd <laughs> go for it uh she said that this is not suitable for four to five year olds agreed Walked out, unfortunately. She, when did she walk out? Look at that date. October 23rd, 2020. Nancy, stay the fuck at home. <laughs> if you're going to walk out of a movie, you shouldn't have been going out to see it anyway. Put uh, your mask on and stay the fuck at home. And then we got Manuel yeah, that, uh, yeah. a, a, with a star and a half on October 18th. Was better when I was a kid. My date fell asleep on me. Honestly, Manuel, I would high five you, but something sounds like you were out on this date when you should have been yeah. home on this date. That's the bigger problem. Yeah. What is what on October 18th? I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I did find this this from Kevin Reno oh, on is, Amazon. It's a one star review. I think this uh, probably aligns right up your alley. My love. It says, uh, does tons of hard work and great art justify a pathetic movie? I've tried to like this movie. I've watched it three times, trying as hard as I could to see why people enjoy it. Aside from the scene where Jack discovers Christmas town and is entranced with new things that he hasn't experienced before. There are no redeeming qualities in this movie. Yes, 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 yes. The story is slow paced and pointless. Yes, 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 yes. We don't have to read the whole thing. Clancy, you agree with this comment. Shout out to Kevin Reno. Um, Okay. Um, anyway, uh, the film was nominated for both Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and the Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. Uh, it won the Saturn Award for Best Fantasy Film, while Elfman won Best Music. Selleck and the Animators were also nominated for their work. Uh, Elfman was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. And most recently, the film ranked number one on Rotten Tomatoes' top 25 best Christmas movies list. Little bit of trivia here. Um, this is Tim Burton's third consecutive film with a Christmas setting after uh, Edward Scissorhands and Batman Returns. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but here's the note I had about full moons. Jack rides across the sky under a Christmas Eve full moon, and between between the end of World War II and mm-hmm. the end of '93, the year of the film's release, there were only five Christmas Eves with a full moon, or as close to full as to matter: 1950, 1958, 1969, 1977, and 1988. I mean. I would say 1977 or 88. Yeah. 69 seems a little too old. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and lastly, uh, there was a hidden Mickey and I didn't see it. I didn't either. Even um, though I put this note, in. <laughs> but it was on the table where Jack was doing his experiments. Yeah. So this is at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Didn't notice it. Uh, Josh, will you watch this movie again? Not intentionally. If Look, it's at the Hollywood bowl again. Would you watch it? Absolutely. Yeah. What I enjoyed about that experience was all of the live stuff, the movie itself. For sure. But also I wasn't watching it critically and now watching it critically and taking notes while I'm watching it. I'm just like, I don't really care for this movie. No. And look, I'll still buy themed merch. hundred percent. I, again, I, I do enjoy the aesthetic, uh, yeah, that- but I, I don't need the movie anymore. So that is Sorry. Is. I'm so sorry. I just hope we haven't, this is this has been one of our angrier episodes. I feel like a little bit, and it, it's not intentional. It's and it, from a place of love, for sure. And if you really enjoy this confusion. movie, and you don't have any problems with it. Sure, but that's not what that's not what we're here to do. It's not. We're not here to just say, "Hey, it was. 
was great. We are here to make unreasonable claims against a movie. We're here to ask unreasonable questions about a movie. Yes. And we're generally here to overthink ourselves into a state of flabbergasted distress over things that are ultimately nonsensical and fam. And that's why you come back every week. It is. Every two weeks. And, and we mean, appreciate you. For yeah. It. It's, 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 uh, we definitely appreciate it. We really, really do. And we'd appreciate it uh, a little bit more if you'd head over to patreon.com backslash making mischief and join the mischief media Patreon. Yes. We've got some really great content up there. We've probably, we'll probably do another bonus episode soon. I think so. I don't know what we'll do it about, um, but it will be good, but it will be good. Um, and it will, uh, you know, it will, it'll fill your hearts with something. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not apathy as long as it's not apathy as i feel like that's all this movie has filled our hearts with is apathy pretty much uh, uh where can they find me on social media clancy uh they can find you at josh watching tv that's josh watching tv without the g mm-hmm. uh on twitter and instagram Yar. if they if they wanted to find me like what could they do they could go to twitter instagram and search for c l n c y that's clancy without the a yeah and they'd be able to find Something. I don't know what. <laughs> I don't post anything on that. I am terrible at social media. One of these days, we'll have an audience big enough that warrants you posting something other than a customer complaint to JetBlue every six months. I honestly, well, I haven't posted anything to Instagram since like 2012. I should probably just put up a picture of nonplussed and just be like, hey, kids. You take so many pictures of our cat. I do. Your Instagram really could just become our cat's Instagram. I wonder. Yeah, that's probably what I should do. I mean, I've got so much content. Yeah, mm. let's just get into it. Um, also, uh, you can find nonplussed pretty much everywhere. It's nonplussed yep. pod, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and also, if your podcasting platform of preference has a ratings or review system, please do rate and review us. Uh, you, that's how we get in new audience people we that's how algorithms get gamed yeah on on specifically on the the google play store if that's and, what it's called and still. uh apple Podcasts. yeah yeah well on the google play store there's a little like like button they don't really oh. have a star rating or anything like that oh. but the like button does well like us the over algorithm. there and yeah. if you're an iphone apple user give us five stars write us a cute funny limerical body review and we'll read it out on air and uh, you'll help us get more listeners and honestly uh we love you for that we love you for being here anyway for sure and i I mean it's not big news but it's worth noting we've we've programmed the show out for the end of the year we have it's all christmas movies and so we apologize for the 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 very narrow scope but our options on the platform are limited (laughs) They yeah, kind of were. They also don't have like a category up it's there not up yet. yet. Yeah. So we're do we did Nightmare Before Christmas. We told you we're gonna do the Lego Star Wars holiday special. Yep. That's coming up next. And then after that, the nineties tween sensation Jonathan Taylor Thomas in I'll Be Home for Christmas. And then our episode on Christmas Day, because we're gonna do an episode for Christmas Day. I'm so excited. What are we doing, Clance Man? We are doing Muppets Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah. So this Who's is it star. Who is it? Well, it's not your cocaine. Oh, it's my cocaine. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, that's what's coming up for nonplussed. And we're it's, really excited to have programmed this far out. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't expect this in the future, but like, yes, I, <laughs> I, I definitely, I am very excited for the next few weeks of our programming. And I hope that you are too. Yeah. And that you'll join us the next time we put out a nonplussed which is in two weeks which is in two weeks but uh hopefully at least with some of these choices we'll leave with um more of a sugary gingerbread taste in our mouth and not the ashy taste of apathetic death that this left in our mouth yeah 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 all right all right that over there is my husband clancy and that over there (laughs) Is my husband Josh. And we have been and shall continue to be forevermore non plussed. Non plussed. Merry, merry, y'all. Merry, merry, merry. Thanksgiving is a sham.
porn that you had as a child? I'm sorry, the what that I had? The as porn a- is, I mean, it cats is basic. That. No, 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 no. It was my is part of my sexual awakening. With Got Ron it. Tucker. That's yes, what it yes, is. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't beat <laughs> off to cats, Clancy. I need I need everyone listening to this podcast to know that I have never touched myself while watching any form of the film Cats. I think I mean that's explicit. We have earned that tag for this show. But before my husband backs me into a very untrue corner, I just need to state unequivocally that I've never masturbated to Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Oh, Lord. Remember, it's easy to make donations to charities like water.org, save the children, human rights watch, and more with tab for a cause. Join the nonplus team by signing up at tab for slash nonplussed. Again, that's tab for slash nonplussed. Clicky clicky. Mm, mm, mm. 